This morning we come to this verse in Matthew chapter 6 verse 12 as Jesus teaches us how to pray. And he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Imagine this scenario with me this morning. A soldier has been taken captive by an enemy during a battle. And for this soldier to be of any further use within the army, that soldier needs three things. Nourishment to stay alive. He needs liberation from captivity. And thirdly, he needs protection from the enemy forces. Nourishment, liberation, protection. In other words, this imprisoned soldier needs resources, deliverance, and safety. Food, freedom, security. Likewise, it could be said for Christians. We need resources of daily bread, provision, deliverance from sin, pardon, and safety from Satan, protection. All at the same time, if we're to be able to be of any further use for God. In other words, to be a disciple, Jesus says, we need to be looking to God for all three. And that's what Jesus models in his famous prayer that he teaches. For he lays before us those things that are crucial for our survival and for our usefulness as Christians. And so we hear Jesus urging us this morning, first of all, to be those who are calling on our Father to clear our debts. Calling on our Father to clear our debts. We all know what a debt looks like, don't we? It could be anything from a credit card bill that you've racked up on holiday. And I don't want to look up now in case there's a husband nudging a wife. Right the way through to a business deal that's gone through on land or property and you're required to pay or you're awaiting a payment from someone else. We've heard a lot about the Greek zero zone crisis over these last number of weeks where Greek Prime Minister Alex Tsipras has been desperately trying to work out this deal that would ease the debt or lighten the load on Greece and the economy there. And in Jesus' prayer, he's reminding us that we owe a huge debt to God himself. A debt that we actually can't pay. Otherwise, why would he be encouraging us to pray, forgive us our debts, forget our debts, set aside our debts? You see, there's a payment due and we actually can't afford it. We're bankrupt in God's terms. We have nothing in the human stores that can cancel a debt that is very clearly owing to God. And this prayer acknowledges before God that in every department we're entirely dependent upon his forgiveness of our debts that are owed to him. In fact, this is a prayer of what we might call ultimate faith. Turning to God and asking him for his forgiveness is admitting that we cannot pay what is owed. The pockets of our lives, if we were to turn them out, are empty. Doing our very best, living a quiet life or in a peace-loving way, won't pay that debt. Sitting in church week by week won't pay that debt. Being a good Protestant or a good Presbyterian won't pay that debt. Liking the old traditional hymns or loving the new style songs won't pay that debt. Feeling warm and fuzzy about God or wearing our Sunday best won't pay 
that debt. This prayer of Jesus reminds his disciples, true followers of Jesus, that we have nothing to bring to him that can pay that price. We're completely reliant on God the Father to find a solution for our debt crisis. So if praying, give us this day our daily bread, represents our basic material day-to-day needs, as we found out last week, forgiveness sums up our deepest spiritual need. We all need forgiveness from the Father. Do you remember Jesus' first miracle? It's the first miracle that's recorded in Matthew and Mark and Luke's gospel. And they draw attention, each of them, to the priority of forgiveness over the physical being of an individual. Do you remember the story well? Boys and girls here, here, you will know this story too. It's the story of the paralyzed man. The four friends are desperate to bring their paralyzed man before Jesus. And the crowds gather around the door. And the only way they can bring him to Jesus is by opening a hole in the roof, lowering before him. And as that man is lowered before Jesus... Everyone can see this man cannot walk. He was known in the town. He was known around the village as the man who couldn't walk. But what are Jesus' first words to this man? Take heart, my son. Your sins are forgiven. And the crowds are amazed. They all, almost as as a man, are crying out to Jesus. What about his legs? The guy can't walk. And you're saying, son, your sins are forgiven? He can't walk. What good are words like this, Jesus? What good is forgiveness at a time like this? The man can't walk. Well, Jesus knew that one day this man's physical suffering would be over when he died. But at his death, the vital question would be the well-being of his never-dying soul. That was the need. That was what Jesus saw first. We can worry so much about our health and our bodies and feel we need healing and how we feel. We often forget our deepest need as Jesus sees it. Forgiveness is an essential part of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And to reject the good news of Jesus is to reject the forgiveness that he offers us. Because you see, sin is our debt. Sin has torn us apart from our loving Heavenly Father. There's nothing that we can do that will repair the damage that we have created. And what is sin? Well, you know, so often we jump to this answer. Oh, sin, it's breaking God's law. Which is part of it, yes. But it goes much, much deeper than that. It's what causes us to break God's law. That's what sin is. When we leave it off the level of just the things that we do, then we think we can answer the problem ourselves by doing things to neutralize the bad. We think that we can pay the debt if we do enough good, it will outweigh the bad. But sin at its root is me first. It is responding as Eve did in the garden. It's wanting to be like God. It's believing that we can be first in our lives. It's placing ourselves on the throne that has been reserved for God himself as he created us. Sin isn't just doing. In fact, it's an outworking of our very being. We were created as those to have an ongoing, loving relationship with God. 
But when sin entered the world and that disrupted that loving relationship and caused us to doubt God's goodness, God's provision and God's care, it caused us to be selfish and so sure of ourselves, confident that we know best and that creates the gap between us and God. We were created to have fellowship with God, to be at one with God, but now every generation born is born in sin. We are natural born sinners. We are meant to relate to God, but our natural tendency is to be distant from him. And so there's this gaping hole. There's a debt to be paid that needs to bring us back to God. And the fault lies on our side. We need forgiveness. And only he can pay our debt. But the wonderful thing is, as God who could have abandoned us in our penniless spiritual state, or as a God who could have dismissed us because our debt was just so big, he paid that debt. That's why we can look to him for forgiveness. For he has shown us that he is a God who is committed to forgiving those who would simply come to him and admit their emptiness and their penniless state. That's why Jesus urges us to pray that we should find forgiveness in him and in him alone. What method of payment was used to pay that debt? What did God use to pay the debt that we couldn't do? Well, you see, that is one of life's greatest challenges, isn't it? Don't all of us know that forgiveness is always more of a problem for the forgiver than the forgiven? If you have been hurt in some way by someone, isn't it always so difficult to raise up enough courage within ourselves to forgive the person who has offended us? If you're anything like me, that is true. And you know, folks, forgiveness was no easy thing for God. It was costly for God. It is hard to forgive. It takes guts and grace and courage to forgive. For while God is loving, God is also righteous and just and holy and pure. He is as much light and purity as he is love. And God supremely demonstrates his love to us in that while we were still sinners, still offending against God, Christ died for us. Jesus was the only one who could pay that debt. Someone who was perfectly human, someone who was supremely divine. Someone who was pure, someone who was the clean sacrifice, someone who could cover the debt sufficiently and meet heaven's demands in all their entirety. Only Jesus could pay that debt that was outstanding. Only Jesus satisfies God's justice. Only Jesus can meet God's righteousness. Only Jesus can be holy enough to stand in our place. And he does so. God's holy anger against our sins fell on his own Dear son, forgiveness is only possible in God's economy, in God's financial reckoning between heaven and earth when there's the shedding of blood, a sacrifice for sin. That was the Old Testament symbol fulfilled in the New Testament as Jesus comes and his covenant blood flowed from his hands and from his side as he put himself in the place where we should have been facing the Father's wrath. And in financial terms, our sins were put on his account. He paid that debt in dying for us. The totals were added up. 
the sheer weight of sin required an extraordinary go-between to settle our debts. And Jesus took every sin on himself. As Jesus himself said around the Lord's table, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And you know, every time we experience God's forgiveness is on the account of his grace to us in Jesus. This forgiveness we ask for is very costly. But it is marvellous. Because as sinners, we get the credit for the perfection of Jesus and it rests in our spiritual bank accounts, if you like. When we pray, forgive us our debts, we do so remembering Jesus. Thankful for all that he has done for us and setting us free, Jesus covers our bankruptcy. And you know, if paying for and receiving our food every day is important, then how much more we should come to God our Father and ask for his forgiveness on a daily basis. On a daily basis. We may pray for forgiveness as often as we may require it. We do not have to wait to see a priest or hold off until church on a Sunday or set aside one moment every day when we pray. We can come daily, regularly, indeed as often as we need and plead with God for forgiveness. We are at one and the same time sinners and forgiven. We come confessing our sin yet knowing that all we need for forgiveness has been accomplished for us in Jesus. In sinning, we do not lose our salvation as Christians, but we do forfeit our relationship with God. All the time, unforgiven sin is in our lives. We fail to know the happiness that God intends for us through that forgiveness. We need daily cleansing, and that is what Jesus taught. When we delay in seeking God's forgiveness for an attitude of heart, we may end up spoiling most of the rest of our day. Have you ever driven round in the car with a flat tyre? Or have you ever walked around with a stone in your shoe? You know that it needs sorting urgently, but you just want to get on and get moving. But the noise or the pain we begin to shut out, we get stubborn. But by the end of the day, the tyre is shredded or the foot is aching and we wish we'd dealt with it sooner. If we are God's people, in relationship with him, It's of paramount importance when we pray and confess and ask for forgiveness. We know that he will accept us in Jesus' name and we need to do it daily. Because if we don't do it daily, it can be deadly. Listen to the words of Psalm 32. Maybe you want to look this up later on today. Psalm 32 verses 3 to 5. Listen to what David says over sin that he had not confessed. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David was a believer, but he had neglected to ask for forgiveness for sin. 
And it was almost like he was being crushed. It was like he had an illness. Sin began to eat away at him. It robbed him of his joy. It can feel like our bodies are aching because our hearts are hurting. We know we need to turn to God. But maybe due to where we are at in our lives or the grudge we're carrying or a hurt that we're feeling, that just grows and grows and it feels like a huge weight resting us that we cannot shift and we don't know how to handle it. Our consciences may be invisible, but our consciences are certainly not inactive. Who hasn't been kept awake by our pleadings of our conscience? What an incredible regularity an unforgiven conscience can rob us of our appetite. It can steal our sleep. It can even drive us to distraction. Sin crushes and sin can kill our spirits. It is deadly. And that's why we need to keep bringing it before God. No matter how embarrassing, no matter how secret it might have become, how upset we might be, how hideous it might even seem, we've got to bring it before God before it crushes us and destroys us. Is that what you maybe need to hear today? Is this a call for you to bring your sin before God before it wrecks your life and dominates your waking and your sleeping moments and robs you of any joy? Give it over to God. His son's sacrifice is enough. He can handle every sin. In Proverbs 28 verse 13 we read, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will always find compassion. Only forgiveness can take away that thump, thump, thump of a troubled heart. Confess it before God, before it kills you. But secondly, this morning, calling on our Father to enable us to forgive our debtors. That's a challenging one, isn't it? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The first half is about the reality of our debts, our sins, our shortcomings. Whilst the second is all about real people in real places who we see in real time with whom we have real problems. I wonder if I was to stop just for a moment now and ask you to carefully consider your life and certain people in your life. Who is there there in those deep dark corners of your mind who you just feel you could never forgive for what they said or done yesterday or last week or last year or 50 years ago? Who is that person when you see them coming, you cross the road? or leave the room, or can't look them in the eye. It might be someone in your family. It might even be someone in this room. A grudge that's been festering for years. Jesus is very clear. God, in forgiving us, has cleared the greatest debt scandal that has ever occurred in human history. He's forgiven us all our sins. And his mercy, he's offered us costly, life-giving, sacrificial forgiveness to us. So that raises the question, if he has done great things for us, who are we to get so flustered about what someone has done to us, whether seemingly big or small in our eyes? For you know in life there will always be problems if we don't. There'll be problems in your life if you don't forgive others. If we don't forgive, it's pretty clear that we haven't really fully understood God's grace to us. And I say this lovingly and gently this morning. It maybe even suggests that we aren't even Christians in the first place. And that puts us in a very difficult position. If you are a murmurer about others, 
a grumbler about people, consumed with anger about what others have done or promised to do and they never did, I say to you this morning, you need to take a long, hard look at yourself in the light of God's mercy and grace and recognize the problem doesn't lie out there, but the problem lies deep in here. For in receiving Christ's forgiveness takes this hard old heart of ours and makes it soft. Not soft as in someone having no backbone or being a bit of a a sissy or whatever we might call them. But being gospel soft is actually one of the most daring, brave, bold attitudes to take in life. It reflects who we are meant to be, created in the image of God. We learn to forgive like God. And Jesus was very kind. For he also left us a parable to help. We read it this morning in Matthew chapter 18. If you want to study in mercy and forgiveness, reread that chapter later today. And there we read of a king. A king who cancelled an enormous debt owed by a servant. We work out it was something around five million pounds today. Who then went out and having been forgiven that debt, strangled a fellow servant who owed him a tenner. When the king heard of it, he seized the unforgiving servant and said, You wicked servant, I cancelled that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back what he owed. Jesus ended with these very chilling words. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless... You forgive your brother from your heart. Folks, this is an area where I feel. And I'm sure you feel too. How do we forgive others? Well, the basis on which we forgive others is that we have been forgiven so much more by our Father than we shall ever have to forgive others. Later on in Matthew 6, 14, just after the Lord's Prayer, it's interesting to note because it's the only section of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus expands on. In other words, he preaches almost a bit on it. And some of us will have huge debts to forgive in others. For some of us, it'll be really costly to forgive someone who's hurt us. Maybe your life has been scarred. Maybe yours has been scarred by someone. And I don't want to belittle your pain this morning. Absolutely not. Forgiveness costs as we have seen in the life and the death of Jesus. Forgiveness is no light or petty thing. But others were just grumpy for no real, meaningful, lasting reason. Or we've got a petty anger that bubbles up over a particular person in a particular place, in a particular way. But Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Whatever it is, whoever it is, we must be aware of the horrors of our crimes against God, which nailed the perfect Son of God to a cross. And in seeing Christ there, and in savoring Christ there, and in sampling even a little of the grace of what He has done for us, enables us to pardon the offences of others. In Jesus Christ alone, as long-term disciples, we are called to pray, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, that's one sure way for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done, for his name to be hallowed among us. 
because if we make much of God and his forgiveness in our church and in our world, we will make much of forgiveness from the heart. May God help us to do so. To his name be the glory. Amen. Let's sing his praise now as we ask.